Well, welcome once again to Open Life. My name is Jaden. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just so excited that you're joining us for the final message in our series, Wake Up Call. And to start us out, I don't know if earlier this week you watched the Apple product release for the spring. I'm not usually someone who tunes in, you know, every time they release something, but I am looking for a new computer to help edit some of the videos we do for our online services. And during the release, after they got to the iMac and I was about ready to turn off, they were revealing the new iPads. And something they're doing this time around is taking the chips from their MacBooks and putting them in the iPad to make them more powerful. And so uh, to do that, they did this little Mission Impossible spoof during it where uh, a guy you know goes into the laboratory grabs the chip from the MacBook goes to another lab and then puts it into the iPad and then he rips off a face mask and you see that's the CEO of Apple and so it, it was funny but it re reminded me how much I love those Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise because when you're watching them there's these moments where you think a character is in the scene, you know, they're trying to get some information, they're um, interacting with another character, and then all of a sudden there's this reveal that actually that character is someone else because they rip off the face mask. And so it just makes me think every time, it's like, okay, if I had that ability or if I had the printer to print out a mask, who would I try and be? Maybe you would think about that right now and you're like, ah, I don't know. So, so for me, I'm gonna try and like get into sporting events. I'll do whatever I can. And so the you might think I might try and be like a athlete, like Aaron Rodgers or someone on the Sounders to get into the game. And you know, I wouldn't do that. I'm smart enough for that because sure, maybe I could get the face mask, but from here down is not gonna be super athletic. Uh, and so we can laugh about that. I'm fine with laughing about that. But, uh, but what would you do? And so as I was going through this and as I was getting ready for what we're talking about today, um, it just really thought, I thought about this, but in the opposite manner. You see, in our faith, we're not trying to take off masks. We're actually putting on Christ. And so that's like what we're going to be talking about today when Paul writes to the church uh, in Colossians. He's writing uh, a letter to a church that's putting, um, like living with the culture and kind of doing things inside of them that like just signify what the culture is doing and not really what Christ wants them to do. And so um, it's not that we're putting on um uh, masks to trick people in our lives or to, you know, infiltrate or to fool anyone with who we're trying to be. But we're trying to let the genuine change that's happening in our hearts from Jesus. And so Paul's going to talk about that today. And so in Colossians 3, 5 through 17, uh, Paul writes this. He's, he writes, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. So Paul is really telling them to change their lives. And so he goes on and says, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. 
Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's a lot in that passage of scripture. But really, what we're talking about today is we are waking up to our new nature. And that's important for us to think. It's like we're putting on a new outfit that comes out of the closet. We all know how refreshing it is when we go to the store, grab a new outfit or a shirt, or maybe the jersey of our sports team, and then the next day we wanna wear it. So we wake up, we go to the closet, we put it on, and there's just this feeling of we can you know, take on the world. And, and Paul is using this analogy to talk about putting on Christ and clothing ourselves He's using this to connect with what they're going through, about taking off our old selves and putting on our new selves. And so that's important for us to understand because this is not something that we're talking about today. It's not something as superficial as, as putting on clothes or as having long hair to be like Jesus, like I have. No, this is something that's happening deep inside of our hearts. It's coming from the inside out into who we are. But as one commentator says, and I love this, he says, the new person deserves a new look. And so today I just want to take the opportunity to talk about what waking up our uh, what waking up to our new nature means for us, yes, individually, but also what this means for us corporately as the church. And so let's unpack today the purpose of the church, the purposes of the church, you know, and this is both in line, online and in person, you know, wherever you are today, this connects with us. But what is the church called to do? And so today our big idea is that the church is forming us for mission. We are being formed, created, and renewed for a purpose. It's for a mission. And so new life personally, yes, we all get that. But it's also a together mission with Christ and with everyone. All of us here are joined together with the global church of anyone who, who preaches and believes in Christ crucified. And so that's important for us to understand. You know, Paul mentioned that there's no distinction when we're followers of Jesus. We, we can't uh, like separate the church based upon, he kind of mentioned four different categories. He talked about our national and ethnic identities. We can't separate because of those things. We can't separate because of our religious background, if we have one. We can't separate because of the cultures 
that we may, be a, we may be a part of. We can't separate even because of our economic realities. No, the church is called to be together because Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And so simply put, today we're looking at formation for mission. And so we have four thoughts. They're kind of grouped in categories of two. And so the first two, we're going to look at what formation is and what the church does to do that. And so thought one, we have formation through discipleship. The church has formation through discipleship. God chose uh, his holy people that he loves. He wants us to be holy. And so again, discipleship is simply us choosing and committing to growing more and more like Jesus in, a ten, in an intentional way and then helping others to grow more and more like Jesus as well. Uh, this is a commitment to the way of Jesus. This is what our mission at Open Life is all about, to be people leading other people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That like we all want to be more and more like Jesus. We Next year, I hope you are a year more mature in your relationship with Jesus. I hope right now you're more mature even through all we've been through with COVID than you were last year. I hope you're more mature in, with Jesus. It's this journey between that moment we chose to follow Jesus and then that moment where we're going to be in fullness with Christ and honestly, that's not going to happen until eternity. And so it's this commitment to continually be renewed, to continually just be committed to the way of Jesus. And so this is why Open Life, we're so excited for this opportunity of emotionally healthy discipleship. It's a course we're walking through for eight weeks, starting uh, the week of next week. So you have another week to think if you want to be a part of it. But we'd love for you to go sign up for that. And it's going to be eight weeks where we're going to intentionally uh, meet together once a week. But then we have some like books to walk through that are going to help us really kind of ask some important questions of our relationship with God and just to say, are we truly committed to growing deeper and deeper in him, to be fully rooted and established in him? And so I want to encourage you, make sure you go and sign up for that and be a part. You're going to grow deeply uh, in this uh, little course, eight weeks that we're going to do together. And I'm just so excited for the future, what that has for us. And so that's what it is. One of the purposes of the church is formation through discipleship. But the second thing, thought too, we have formation through worship. Uh, we can't be ignorant to the ways that we're being formed when we gather together as a church and when we're doing all of the different things that we do when we gather together. So when you come into open life, we are worshiping in song. We're taking time to pray and just offer our lives up to God. Uh, we're opening up scripture and saying like, this is important what we're doing and what we're teaching. And so we need to apply scripture to our lives and let it kind of direct the decisions that we're making as God speaks to us through scripture. And, and it's like when we're doing all these things together and then when we're connecting with one another and letting our lives kind of bounce off one another, um, th there's something special that happens. And so I was just thinking, you know, even specifically about worshiping in song and offering up our lives to Jesus, there's something important about coming to God and offering the thrills and the spills of our lives 
in song. Uh, we worship to express our victories, but we also worship when we're expressing our disappointments. We, we uh, express the times when we're rejoicing, but there's also times of lament in prayer when we're suffering through something or when we're in a trial where we just need to offer our lives to God. And so I was just even thinking about this with some of the members of the worship team in the last couple of weeks to just say, the most impactful times of worship that I have, I think, are when I'm worshiping and I'll, I'll like sing the lyric of the song and then I know exactly in scripture where I read that maybe even recently. And it's just this reinforcing of the truth that God has. You know, when someone talks, when we talk to people at church and are connecting before or after service, there's something that can happen when we just like feel that encouragement that resonates with something else that we've been reading in scripture or praying about with God. And so that's how we're being formed through worship. But all of this formation is for a purpose. It's formation for mission. And so thought three, it's formation for our mission to serve. Uh, remember, if we're here for formation, part of the church is a training ground. Like we're being trained in those things that Paul told us to clothe ourselves with, with kindness and gentleness and humility and love. And so uh, if we can't practice those things here in the church, how are we really going practice to them, practice them outside of the church? If I can't uh, work on being patient here at church and, and even like if I can't be gracious with other people working on their patience, am I going to be gracious enough to work with people outside of the church and our non-believers? Uh, if I have a, if I'm not practicing humility inside of the church, am I really going to practice humility outside when I get that promotion and I'm a little power hungry and I'm prideful in my position or because I've been working on these things inside of the church? and with people that can mirror back the things God wants in us and for us to be holy, that I'm choosing to actually grow and like express these things outside. If we're called to serve beyond our four walls, you just think about where you've been placed. You've been placed in a neighborhood, in a school district, in a job, in a community, and God's calling you to serve those that you're around. He, John says this in 1 John 3, verse 14. He says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. This is that old life turning into the new life. This is how John is saying it. He says, but a person who has no love is still dead. That's challenging. He goes on in verse 18 and says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Let us show the truth by the way we're actually living, both inside the church and outside of it. And because love is what proves we are living this new life, that we are clothing ourselves within. Remember, Paul said that love is what binds all of these things together. And so that's really important for us to consider. We love by our actions. And so this last year has been super difficult because maybe you've felt disconnected from that love that the church can offer. You know, this remote year, uh, we've done everything remote. Like we've done school remotely, we've done work remotely, we've done church remotely. And it can be hard because that's like, we, we can know the concepts. Yes, 
church is supposed to be a loving place, but if we don't have the tangible actions, then we don't feel it. And so hopefully as we get back to some sort of normal and hopefully as we, you know, try and develop like what open life is going to look like, you know, moving forward, we're being intentional about getting involved and serving and being the church that we want to feel when we come to church. So this might mean serving on hospitality, serving in kids' life, serving on setup and teardown, because if we want the church to be what we want it to be when we arrive, we also need to be it for other people who are arriving. And so I just want to encourage you with that is like, let's be the church that we want others to feel as well. And I, I was just thinking about this illustration. I, I have a, a hose nozzle right here. And what I was thinking about is interesting is that um, one of the settings is a jet. It's just this jet stream. And, you know, each uh, little setting has a different purpose. You know, the jet stream is one that I might use often to clean something or to like get some gravel off the patio. And we do it and it, it just shoots straight. It's like the full force on, through one stream. And sometimes I think like, this is the stream of the church is like the church can only be one thing we meet on sunday mornings and we have kind of a set rhythm and we're just going straight whereas what i want to challenge you is that on the other hand we have this shower one that's just nice and peaceful the shower one is what i use to actually uh water my plants because if i use the jet stream that is going to kill the plants. It's going to actually tear them apart. And so I just want to encourage you is that like when we are the church, when we're out in our community, think of yourselves as like little streams, like as one church open life, we can be a powerful force. And we get to do that when we come together for events like the community big gift. But what about when we are dispersed, when there's this diffusion a little bit where we're coming and just watering our community with love and compassion and service because we are sent out and we know it because of the love that we've been practicing in the training ground of the church. You know, Paul said that we need to forgive others. And so we should be able to offer that when we're offended at church by someone who's going through their own stuff. We should mirror back the humility that we would like to see in other people. We should mirror back the, the compassion that we would love to see. And so I'm not excusing people for doing things like we needed to do this in a gracious manner that actually addresses things that are going on in people's lives. But we should be more than willing to forgive others uh, as we go through our lives, especially inside of the church. And so uh, hopefully that encourages you that we could be a shower uh, in our communities where God has uniquely placed us. And so when we're serving in a post-COVID reality, I hope we're thinking intentionally about how we can tangibly love um, people in the church with their actions, but also look outside to see where God has uniquely placed us in community to serve those who haven't had the opportunity to know Jesus or who may have had a poor representation presented to them. 
And so that's what I want to get to next. Paul goes on in the next chapter of, of Colossians in chapter four in verses two through six. This is what he says here. And just this is where we want to end today. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Paul's writing from prison, so he's suffering. And so he goes on and says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So then he goes on and as like a, an encouragement to the church, he says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Other translations for that word attractive use seasoned with salt. Like that's, that's a good word picture, but he says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And so finally, the fourth kind of purpose of the church, formation for mission, thought for, we are being formed for our mission to show and tell others about Jesus. We are being formed in discipleship and worship in the church so that we can serve our communities. But ultimately, and most importantly, we want to show people that are non-believers who Jesus is with our lives. And we've each been uniquely placed in our community to be able to do that. Are we living wisely in making the most of all the opportunities that we have with people that don't know Jesus? Are we showing them who Jesus is by the way that we are clothing ourselves with Christ? Are we being gracious and attractive with our words so that when asked, we can tell them about the truth of who Jesus is? These are important things to consider. And so this might be intimidating for you. You might have something inside of you that's rising up and says, that's not comfortable for me. Well, I love what uh, the pastor Rich Velota says in his book, The Deeply Formed Life. And I think it's going to encourage you um, about being ready for these sorts of conversation. He says this, he says, I wholeheartedly believe that God has already begun a conversation with someone long before I arrive. If it is true, as Paul declares in Acts 17, 28, that in God, we live and move and have our being. Every person on the face of this planet is already on some level being countered by God. The individual might not be able to cognitively perceive it or receive it, but Christian theology, is, theology assumes God's active presence all over the world. What's needed is for Christ followers to discern God's presence rather than assuming his absence. So, so many times we live our lives and we might think Jesus isn't with those people. God couldn't be there, but what he's saying here is that we need to think more that God is working on everyone. And so if this idea is true, that God's already working on people before we ever even think of having that conversation, then we should understand that we're ushering those we have with relationship either closer to or farther away from Christ. I hope that encourages you because you need to know that the stage is already set for these conversations. You're not cold calling people. God's already working in people's lives. But this should also concern us because I think we might need to live more wisely um, with those who don't know Jesus. And so, so just a, two practical areas I think we can work on this. And number one is who are we giving thanks to when we have positive life change happening in us? Like, 
with, if, as an example, uh, you know, like if I'm working on my marriage with Danny and we get through, through something, uh, do I just say, well, yeah, I grabbed these great books and I, we, we, we went to counseling and now we've gotten through something in our past. And, and so as an example, or do, am I able to say, you know what, like God worked in us and through like relationships as church and being encouraged by people, like this is what happened when we go through things like re-engage is like God worked in our lives and encourages us and can use us to encourage others. But if we don't connect it to Jesus, people miss out and they think that like we just worked really hard to make it happen. No, God was working really hard with us. And so we can do this for a number of different areas. Like when we're trying to make positive life change, have we even considered giving those things to God in order that he might be glorified in the end? Something you can consider. The next one is social media. Um, as a Christian, I've seen how awful other Christians can be, especially in the past year. The memes that I saw other, you know, people who profess Jesus, the memes that they were sharing were vile. They wrote just nasty comments on other people's posts. Um, and so can I just say something? That's not telling it like it is. That's probably actually what Paul talked about in anger, rage, slander, maybe even sometimes dirty language. Like these are the things Paul says to strip off of ourselves and to put on kind hearted uh, gentleness and to be forgiving. Um, and so at the very least, when we do these things on social media, it's, it's not gracious or attractive like Paul calls us to. Uh, and it's certainly not the right response. And so the danger here is that there are people who know that these people are followers of Jesus. And so when we share something that does not honor Christ, that is kind of rude or just like, like just vile sometimes is like we dishonor Christ by the things that we write and comment and share. But I think sometimes because it's not actually coming out of our mouth, we don't understand how it's connecting. Um, Paul said to live wisely and make the most of every opportunity. He didn't say live foolishly and squander every chance that you have to show others the love of Christ. So listen to how Jesus uh, sent his disciples to reach communities that he was going to be talking to. It says in Luke 10, 1 through 7, he says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, not a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And then listen to this. It says, if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. And I find that interesting because every time I read that, 
the part that jumps out is where Luke 10 to where he says, um, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. I've always, you know, been drawn to that. And I'm, you know, praying to God for more workers because there's such a great harvest that we can be a part of. Um, but as I was reading this book recently, it's called The Sacred Overlap by J.R. Briggs. And so he actually refers to this passage of scripture as Jesus's missionary strategy. And so here's what he says about that. He says, Jesus tells us to pray for people of peace so that others will receive our message with favor and want to know more. People of peace are not yet followers of Jesus, but they are open to your message, though they may not know why. They smell the aroma of Christ on you, even though they haven't yet identified it's him. And should they come to faith in Christ, they are gatekeepers for other groups and door openers to circles of influence into which we would never be welcomed on our own. And so as I was reading that in recent months, um, especially after a year that's been so like, volatile, like so divisive in so many areas, both inside and outside of the church. I was just, I just love the simplicity of looking at that passage of scripture and choosing to pray for people of peace as I'm trying to live my life in community, even on social media and online to think about there's people um, who are probably just waiting for others who are willing to pray blessings of peace uh, on our communities, on our classrooms, in our schools, in our homes, over marriages. And like they're ready and willing to receive a message of peace from someone who is clothed in Jesus, who has the aroma of Christ. Um, but so many times, like the things that are being promoted are the divisive things. And so we are left just with this opportunity to be people of peace and pray for people of peace because they're ready to accept what Jesus has to offer. And so they don't need a message that tells them to work harder in order to find favor with God. And they don't need a false, false truth told uh, as told like it is. Um, out of anger because we don't like the way the political winds have blown in the past week. No, we need to be rooted in the things that God wants us to clothe ourselves in. People of peace need messengers who are clothed in tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace of their own. And so our action point today is that we would pray for people of peace. Pray for people of peace that will be open to the peace that you have in your life. Before you do that, though, maybe you need to think, am I, as a follower of Jesus, committed to these purposes of the church that we've unpacked today? One, that I'm being formed by discipleship, that I'm trying to become more and more like Jesus. Two, that I'm being formed by worship, that I'm choosing to gather together uh, online or in person and just to worship both through song, through opening of scripture, through prayer, through connecting with other believers. Three, that I'm committed to the mission to serve others with love and compassion. And four, that I am committed to the mission to show and tell others about Jesus. 
remember, this is formation for mission. And so as we pray for people of peace, we need to make sure that we are being people of peace. And so if you want something super practical this week and a way to act this out, because yeah, I'm a pray for people of peace might sound, you could do that today. But if you want something super practical, set an alarm as I'm going to pray, set an alarm on your phone for 10.02 AM each day this week. And each time it goes off, I want to encourage you to take time to pray for people of peace. Look at like, pray that God is moving in people's hearts in our community and pray that like God's message is being heard and that we are being proper representatives of who Jesus is, that we've clothed ourselves in him, in our new nature, becoming more and more like our creator. And so why 10.02? Well, 10.02, Luke 10.02 says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest, asking to send more workers into his fields. It's a prayer for people to be ready to receive, but it's a prayer for us to be ready to tell. So I just want to encourage you with that today. And so let's just join in prayer as we do that. God, um, we just pray for those people of peace in our community that are ready to receive you, that are ready for genuine expressions of, of love and mercy and kindness and gentleness and patience and peace of our own. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be committed to being engaged with your church, that we would learn to practice these things, that we would, would be committed to becoming more and more like you through discipleship, that we'd be committed to being in community through prayer and worship and being together. We'd be committed to serving others and our community, and that we'd be committed to show and tell others about you through our lives. God, I pray that you would let people go in power this week, that we would um, get those alarms and have um, just amazing times of prayer as we maybe think of people or places that we want to pray blessings of peace onto so that you might be made known. And so we just ask for all this in your mighty name today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you back soon.